Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. I am very excited to be coming at you with a new Q&A episode. I got a lot of questions last week, and as I was going to go record the show last week, I realized that my microphone stopped working. So I got a new one, and I hope that it works as well as my last one did. I used the Audio-Technica 2100 USB microphone, if anyone's curious. Sometimes I get questions on that. So I've just bought another one, and I am using her now. And and at the same time, we have some new announcements in the last week as well. We are busy here on Team Alively, that is for sure. We have our Past Life specialty, and thank you so much for everybody with the feedback on the Past Lives Part 1 episode that I did most recently. I am going to wait and hold off and do the second part of the Part 2 to the Past Lives episode another time. I feel like doing the Q&A now, and then my intuition's kind of leading me to have a feeling that something, I don't know, is going to click in, or it's going to kind of still unfolding in a sense. And actually, that also makes sense to do the second episode of the past life piece after or maybe during, let's find out more to share, I'm sure will happen in the next coming month in September, because I'm actually going to be doing a past life specialty training for IVFT graduates. This is the first specialty I've ever offered. I, you know, obviously I'm going in the flow into the unknown one year at a time, one day at a time in everything that we do here and following my intuition along the way. And one of the things that feels really relevant is after the year I've had dealing with all of my own personal past lives and so many clients having past life issues coming up and seeing the insanely magically effective and powerful tool that integrating past lives can be for myself and also for the clients I'm working with. I just did two in the call last night with Sacred Month of the Self people as well. It's just kind of coming up more and more readily and more and more frequently for different people in their lives. And so it seems like it's kind of the time now as more people are having these patterns show up and they're getting the access and intuition insights to do the integration with past lives that I would love to take this just like I did with IVFT and now give this with the grads that are interested in taking an additional training on this specialty so that we can have a space and a uh, training that people, if they do take it. So if you're a graduate and you feel like this is a fit for you, by all means, please join us. Our first call is going to be September 5th and it's going to be four weeks long for the specialty training for graduates of IVFT and previous rounds. That's who's got the available to doing it because you've got that great history and education education already through IVFT and to doing the basics and the foundational work. But now we're going to go into this specialty. And then we're going to have a find a facilitator page that includes the past life specialty. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I actually think I have a past life that's bothering me. And some like this pattern in my life is just really, really, really heavy. And it just feels like it's always following me around and I can't get out of it. That kind of feeling. It's possible there may be a past life connection to it. And in doing so, if you're curious, now you you don't have to just work with me through one of the calls one-on-one or in a class that I do with you. You can actually go to an IVFT specialist by the end of you know, starting into October of this year, we'll be able to recommend you to people that have training to help you integrate the past life that you may have in your own life as well. So I'm very excited to give this as a new tool and an avenue for those that are in IVFT. It'll be the beta round of this. This will be the first time training it. It's gonna be no squad leaders yet because nobody besides me yet is the one gonna be teaching the training. However, if we do continue the specialty in a future 
you know, rounds, just kind of like IVFT. Maybe we'll do past life specialty rounds occasionally here and there. And maybe we'll do a structure like squad leaders. The beta round people would be the first to have access to potentially if we do a squad leader kind of format the way we have for IVFT, it's potentially the beta round people that will have that first chance to be a squad leader in future specialty rounds. So let's see how this goes. It's all unfolding in the flow. And on the same note of IVFT, IVFT round five is starting in October. So I've got September with the IVFT grads who are choosing to go into the specialty training. And then once that is ended and they're certified, I'm going to go into a new fresh round of IVFT round five. So it's total of six rounds counting the beta rounds. We have done this and I'm so excited for the next round and the next group that feels like it's a fit to do this. If you're interested in doing it professionally, semi-professionally, all the time, just a little bit, just for your family or friends or just for yourself, but you want to go really, really deep in your inner voice, by all means, we're going to be doing that soon. So you can go register now over at bellalively.com slash IVFT. So if it feels like a fit, either of those, it's just going to be really fun. It's going to be a busy fall for me and here on Team Lively, but I've just been loving it all and excited to keep supporting everyone as we go. Now let's move into our questions for the day. So we've got Jessica Pethick, who's says, I love Q&A episodes, don't have any specific questions, but looking forward to listening. Well, Jessica, that is very sweet of you to say, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, now we've got Angela Boulard-like who said, would you do an inner voice session or beanbag releasing on postpartum depression and anxiety? How do you pull yourself out when you feel bogged down with emotion? So how would I do an inner voice session or beanbag releasing on postpartum depression? So I obviously have never had a child, so I, and I did not recall having a postpartum client that I've ever directly worked on that specific subject with. So I don't have any direct experience to it to know anything really about it, to be quite honest with you. So I don't want to pretend like I know more than I do because it's never been something I've directly interacted with through clients or myself. So I can't speak to it actually, because if I said it, I would I'd just be purely guessing without any experience directly with clients or, or myself. So all I can say from a purely guessing standpoint, which is not you know having no exposure to it, doesn't mean I couldn't help with that. I just haven't had the chance to try that. So I'm going to be really in the in the guessing game of things right now to say anything about it would be to work with a one-on-one inner voice facilitator to get extra support and have extra help with a beanbag person uh, of releasing, helping you to release and helping you to ask questions. But I don't actually know what tips or tricks to give you in any specific sense because I've never had the chance to work with somebody with that presenting concern. So I wish I could tell you more, but I would say working with a facilitator telling them that this is something you want to work on and then doing that work with somebody can be quite, quite helpful. I do think for most people, I just keep continuing to see even through Sacred Month of the Self, which just wrapped up. Thank you guys so much for those that joined us in Sacred Month of the Self. It was just so cool to see yet again through IVFT and Sacred Month for the Self, they find it's so helpful working with each other as buddies to hold space for each other. So if you don't have a buddy to hold space for you and help you do it yourself, finding an IVFT graduate that resonates with you on the Find a Facilitator page of our website could be a great place to go because it helps you go so much deeper than you may have before on your own. Of course, you could do this directly in yourself. And that's ultimately, you know, 
definitely available to you. The ability to get better so that you can go deeper on your own often can happen in a faster time frame. it seems, through the feedback we get in our community, through working with somebody who is holding the space for you. I do think that holding the space from somebody that has a lot more connection and a lot more experience, like an IVFT graduate, is even better than just a buddy in the sense that if you haven't worked with someone who's done that much practice with it, it can be helpful, but it'll be even more helpful. The more practice you have with the the person that you're working with, the more they're able to support and hold that space and frequency for you. So um, finding somebody to work with, whether it is a buddy or a graduate would be my recommendation. Now we have Isabel who said, hooray, I was hoping to manifest a Q&A and wrote down my question in case you did. How do you reset your alignment when things are going out of flow? Would love to know your thoughts. Thank you, Bella. Oh, that's so cute. This is a great question. How do you reset your alignment when things are going out of flow. It depends for me personally on if it's a really big situation like my visa, for example, or if it's a small thing like my day isn't going as planned. So if it's a small like daily thing, like today's just doesn't seem like it's flowing, I'll do, I'll adapt as I can in that day. If that means like I can take a nap or I could do some Bella Vita time, I love to just kind of go within and shake it out and just kind of get out of this reality's, um, you know, the fluxes and flows and the ebbs that go when you're in this reality. So going into Bella Vida or going into a nap or just kind of resetting in that type of way is very, very nice. Or just letting it be easy, basically. Taking an easier route that day. If things feel really harried and stressed, it's just like taking things off the plate, taking things that I thought I should do that day off my plate. It's okay if it doesn't get done that day, that kind of thing. So simplifying is a great, if I have to stay in action mode, I will simplify the actions that I take and drop the non-essential for that day. That is easy. Or cancel plans, basically. That could look like, okay, I just do not have the energy flow or alignment to doing X, Y, or Z, telling an honest truth to that friend that I might have a plan with or something and say, look, I'm really not feeling well today. I know we said we were going to meet up and we could do that, but I just do not feel good. And I think it'd be better for me if I just like sat home and rested and took a nap today instead. I'm so sorry. Can we reschedule? Just being honest about that kind of thing can be quite liberating because people usually want you to be in a good mood and have energy for them. So if you don't, then they usually like respond well when you're just 100% honest with them. So simplifying the actions or getting into stillness, if I could just do that without having to even cancel anything. And on the bigger things, like, for example, the visa process, this is funny. So my friend Maria, the astrologer said, had pointed out, so my visas in the journey, if you've heard me for any amount of time, always seem to be this bugbear in my reality specifically. And what's funny is she said, at one point, I have Saturn in the ninth house of my astrology chart, which is, okay, that's interesting. But what that means, apparently, according to astrology, is that I'll have difficulties getting foreign paperwork done. So specific, right? (laughs) But when she said it, it kind of helped me I don't know, put a frame of reference to like, why is my life and visa so difficult? Well, in this case, I've got the first time I applied three months ago to my visa in the UK, they said we checked the wrong checkbox of the type of visa and they rejected the application saying we did that. Now, of course, my solicitor who did it didn't think that he selected the wrong checkbox. We knew exactly what visa we were going for, but we had no way to confirm or deny the checkbox that was selected or not selected. So when we reapplied, we screenshotted every checkbox that we checked on the on the application website so that we could confirm that we did check the right checkbox this time. And then we waited eight additional weeks after 
after the first five weeks of waiting, we had reapplied. Eight weeks later, we heard back. They said we didn't supply the bank statements for 12 months, which we did supply. And they said our hierarchy chart was supposed to be the overseas hierarchy chart, which was uh, a Lively World Co. is our company here in the United States or there in the United States. And the company here in the UK, the bridge we're opening is a Lively World LTD, the British company. He, as a lawyer, put the LTD instead of the word CO at the top of the chart. And so that was apparently an indicator that we put the wrong but the same chart is true for both companies. The same hierarchy chart is just literally the difference of INC or CO on the page was rejected along with the bank statements, which were there. So here we are, third time's the charm. <laughs> so resubmitting again. Now that's obviously with the astrology context. Yeah, difficulty with foreign paperwork. This is what we are dealing with. Um, little tiny details seeming to slow down the journey. But apparently my friend pointed out on the flip side of Saturn in the ninth house is that Saturn's gonna be, according to her, somewhere in your chart somewhere. And it's gonna make something sometimes seem a little bit more challenging or difficult or laborious. And she goes, you know, of all the things to have, would you want your money or your love to be laborious and difficult and challenging? Or would you like your foreign paperwork that you do occasionally, like once in a lifetime? So with that context to my foreign paperwork journey, here we are waiting around and just kind of in the unknown at the moment of flow with that process. So on the flow of that type of thing, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say back at the drawing board, but I'm still in limbo land. Uh, let's see, five plus eight, 13 weeks later. So no idea what time frame this will take at this point to move forward. But what I've just decided with this is just to do other things that feel good. I'm doing other things that feel good. I don't know the flow of my life, so now I'm kind of back into the suitcase mode of living and living in the unknown of it all and just kind of following my intuition. So my intuition said last week, um, just book a week at the hotel kind of place that I'm staying in. Just book a week. So that's what I did. I'm just kind of taking it step by step and living in the flow of it. But also as I'm doing that, making the most of other areas of my life that I'm enjoying. Like obviously I'm really enjoying work right now and bringing all this work into the past life specialties and IVFT feels really good. Doing welling calls in round two feels great. So I really do love the work I'm doing with people and just enjoying the most I can out of London in other ways. And just making sure I take care of myself and show up. I'm not a very naturally practical person. Um, when it comes to the real world, I'm much more the non-physical side of things. Things. But when it comes to like making sure I have groceries and my grocery shopping is done, making sure that the acts of service, kind of the laundry and the dishes, I'm not an unclean person because I love beauty so much. I keep things naturally clean. But even like there's, like, for example, in this hotel room, there's a cute gold light bulb that's not working. And even though it's cute and gold, I want it to work more than I care that it's cute and gold. So I'm <laughs> going to go get a light bulb so that I can replace it if the hotel doesn't have one sooner than, you know, it's been a few days. I'm like, okay, I can just go get myself the light bulb. That's kind of like a practical thing. So making sure that I keep showing up in practical ways for myself so that I have that kind of support, um, th that is something else that I'm doing to adjust in the flow of things. All right. Now we have Felicity A. Ryan, who said, this is one that's been on my mind. If there's so much past life stuff that comes up, how can no one be concerned about future lives? This is so beautiful. What if the next is not? 
Uh, this life is so beautiful. What if the next life is not? Okay, great, interesting question. If there's so much past life stuff that comes up, how can we not be concerned with future lives? What's interesting about future lives is that in terms of timelines themselves um, and lives that are lived, it's very likely that the order of life's experienced by the soul is not in chronological order exclusively, like that they could jump around into past and future lives in different orders. So let's say you could watch a Netflix um, Game of Thrones and then watch Interstellar and then watch the Flintstones and then watch a World War II movie. And Netflix, you could do that easily, right? There's no conflict to what time frame of humanity we're witnessing in a video on Netflix because they're all available all at the same time in the now on Netflix. So the time frames of each movie are different time frames, but they're all within Netflix all at once. That is a really great analogy for our minds to understand the non-physical side of things. So just like our Netflix has available different time frames to look at, so can our souls experience. And there's actually someone I know personally who's experienced six past lives was actually Atlas and his uh, experiences in his coma. When he relived the past lives that he experienced, he had two that were in the future that he experienced that didn't have any bearing on anything that was in this reality as it is now. So those are examples. And I was like, huh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it doesn't have to be in order of time to be experienced. Now, what's interesting also, though, is that it's very possible that there is a sequence of experiences for souls in lives. So even though they could do interstellar before they play the life of Game of Thrones, for example. So time frames, they could do a future life before they do an older time frame of linear time life. The experiences stack. So the soul experiences the lives on a certain level kind of all at once. But at the same time, the experiences stacking in a sequential order even if it goes from, I'm going to make it more linear so it's easier. You could like live a 2033 life and then an 1862 life. You know, you could kind of jump around like that. That 2023 life or 2033 life would be a primary first experience before the 1863 life. And so the soul would experience the stacking of the lives, not by linear time, but by sets of experiences that they had. And so future lives might be some of the past lives you're feeling that are haunting you right now. <laughs> so if that makes sense, like you could have had, already experienced some traumas from some future time frame that we haven't had in linear time here yet, but it is actually something that you're actually coming into integration with. I haven't noticed for myself any that have well, some do seem to have kind of a time frame relevance to the life. So that is definitely true. Um, I've got a lot of them that seem to have a historical context that does feel older to me. I can't say that I know the timeline context to every life though. So some of the lives that maybe didn't have a heavy feeling of olden daysness to them could have actually been something that was experienced in a future time frame, theoretically. Uh, not every past life that I experience, it's not always about time. For example, the little boy that drowned, as I shared in the past life, I don't know which time frame he was in. You know, he could be in the future time frame that hasn't even happened yet because the drowning wasn't related to any type of technology or time or space of time. You could drown at any point that you're on a planet with water. So that one could have been a future life. But that said, 
what if <laughs> the part of us, when we are going to integrate the past lives that have these old traumas that we're feeling in our life and we go and we love them, we integrate them and they come forward and they kind of come into a sense of peace. We are the future life of them coming back to help them. So what if the inner voice is one of those aspects of ourselves that has released the trauma that's already guiding us along the way? So beautiful. If you've ever seen the movie Interstellar, beautiful movie. I remember Annie Francoeur, the channel of our collective, the collective collective, we guys have heard over the years in the podcast, made her, I remember she made a comment that the collective suggested that she watch the Interstellar over and over again to understand that kind of sense of the future helping the past. So keep that in mind and watch the movie if you feel like it. Now we've got Vita Deleuze. He said, any tips on how to soothe burnout and overwhelm with work and family responsibilities? I would say, obviously, obviously, there are the feelings of burnout and overwhelm that are beanbags. So releasing those feelings are very important. Releasing the feelings in the location. So if you haven't done a beanbag release session yet, by all means, find the a lively library and take some of the old classes that are freely available now in our website if you want to get a really good handle on that or work with an IVFT facilitator or buddy if you're already in the community. But release the feelings of burnout and the feelings of overwhelm. Those energetic stuck patterns, even if you change and redirect and like take a vacation, don't dissolve the overwhelm. It's still trapped in your system non-physically. And so it'll still manifest later at another point in time as long as it's still relevant. It's like the dirt's still there, even if you're not looking at it. So clear it out, dissolve it away through your awareness, through the beanbag release process or some other modality that works for you that truly does transmute awareness um, in these emotions. So please do that first. And then once those are released and you're not feeling those heavy energetic stuck patterns of burnout and overwhelm, then it's going to feel much clearer about what actions to take to actually change the course because as long as you're still feeling those emotional patterns of the beanbags of burnout and overwhelm, you're going to keep manifesting life choices that match it. Even if you're trying to avoid it, the frequencies there, it's going to keep magnetizing into your reality. So once they're dissolved and transmuted, then the clear path to taking time off or shifting priorities or dropping expectations will be huge. The limiting beliefs that you're holding probably also tie to what you think you need to do for work and your family. And some of it might stay valid and some of it might just be shooting on yourself. And the shooting that we do, we take so seriously, we don't even question whether it's actually true or whether it actually needs to be true or why do we actually want or not want it to be that way. But all of that and the clarity of your inner voice to next actions and what to do to uh, soothe the burnout and overwhelm will come from your inner voice. But once the emotions are released, now we have do, 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 Charlotte K. Coach, who said, how do you best prepare for an Abraham Hicks cruise and what to wear? Oh, I like that. That's a fun question. Okay, best prepare for Abraham Hicks cruise. There's nothing to prepare for. Just go on the way and go enjoy it every day that you're there. I will say when I went on the cruises, I've done three of them with them. I've done the French Riviera, the Alaskan and the New Zealand cruises. And one thing I didn't know until I did them was that I didn't know what to expect, but I kind of assumed they would be like, Abraham, every day, all day. <laughs> and it's really just on the days that the boat is moving. So you've got a lot of days, depending on your itinerary, that you're going to actually be on land doing activities that are kind of cruise shippy activities or stuff in the ports of call that you go to. So you're really just going to see Abraham for potentially less than you might be thinking you're going to see. So you'll see Esther channeling maybe 
four to eight times in a cruise, depending on the schedule and the the moving days of the boat. But it's a really fun thing to do because when the boat's moving, there's not that. I mean, you have stuff to do, but it's like, obviously you're there for Abraham. So it's really fun to actually on those days where the boat's moving to do the channeling part. It really kind of adds a, a really cool dimension to cruising. Cruising's not my favorite thing in the world. Although I have to say, if I had to suggest a cruise to take with them, I've only done those three that I mentioned, but Alaska is a great cruise to do with her because Alaska in general to visit is a great thing to do with a cruise because so many places don't have roads or access except for by plane and by boat. So it just kind of simplifies the planning process for you and you can see so much. And even the points of view that you get to see from being in the boat to see the glaciers and the water features and everything is just outrageously beautiful. So really recommend the Alaskan cruise as a top tip of which one to take. Obviously the French Riviera is nice, but like at the same time, you could travel that and do it in a maybe a more organic way if you're just in the travel mode of things. Um, Or I would also do for me, I think the other one I would have, I could have even done instead of New Zealand would have been the Baltic Sea. So going over to the Eastern Europe and going into Russia and stuff like that, I don't know if I want to like plan a trip, especially on my own. I just don't know that I feel like having the motivation to organize the structure of a trip like that, but just being dropped off to all the different places and having it kind of so easily created for you to places that are difficult or you just don't want to plan yourself for, those are the ones to pick the cruises for, in my opinion, at least. But I've never even done some of the tropical cruises, which so many people love, you know, the Caribbean or something. I've just never been intrigued to do that as a cruise experience. So I can't speak to it. But as far as what to wear, actually, there is a good answer on that. A lot of people wear sparkle, sparkle, sparkles and rhinestones and flashy things. It's a very fun, (laughs) kooky sometimes group of people. It's a very character filled uh, environment. So there's a lot of people wearing sparkly things. If that's your jam, go for it. You're going to be in good company. But also, I would say on a practical level, I was always wearing cozy things because they keep the air conditioning for these event spaces quite chilly. So wearing layers. So I'd always have like a, like a sweater or cardigan, that type of thing to stay warm and cozy. Uh, so that would be my suggestion. I didn't wear the sparkly things. I just wore the cozy, soft, um, fluffy jumper kind of things to feel comfortable in the air conditioning experience. But that's a fun question. And let's go on from Charlotte. Now we've got Brownstones of Clinton who said, what's your inner voice's take on climate change? And if it feels aligned to answer, what is your mind's take on climate change? Do your inner voice and mind feel the same way about it? Yes, I actually do have a lot of alignment on global issues with my inner voice, which is sometimes some people I notice have an easier time with that and others have a more challenging time finding their inner voice perspective in their minds on different things in the world. And I remember I asked a very early client's inner voice who was a beta round IVFT grad. I know exactly who it was in my head, um, but I asked this person's inner voice because I wanted to know the answer to why so many minds didn't feel peaceful about things that the inner voices that I worked with did feel peaceful about. So for example, global issues like climate change or anything on the planet, any of the atrocities that happen in this reality, the inner voice always has a peaceful perspective on it. And the people in the reality seem to have a mentally very unpeaceful perspective on it. So I asked this person's inner voice because the connection was quite strong for the person. So the person was really able to get out of their mind about issues and hear their inner voice very clearly without the mind having the same opinion. And the inner voice said it in two words, advanced stress. 
So when the mind becomes more aware of a new topic like climate change, and it takes the mind with it, it takes the stressful perspective of the mind with it onto that new subject. So something that you might not have been bothered about before once you become your mind becomes aware of the subject to be worried about whether it's animal rights or you name it just so many things in this reality once the mind's there it doesn't it looks at it as a problem and it's not at the frequency as abraham hicks would say of the solution and so that perspective is advanced stress and i remember the collective collective annie francor and the collective i asked them about it once through all of our inner voice or i guess you'd say channeling all the questions asked to them and they said that's true the advanced stress of the minds is what is happening. So they're they're bringing their mind with them. They're not still going to the deeper wisdom inside themselves to have the perspective of that subject from the deeper place in themselves. So my inner voice is take and everyone's inner voice's take is not to be stressed by the idea of climate change the way that the minds are. So nor is mine and nor is anyone's, to be fair, no one's inner voice I've ever worked with is stressed about climate change ever. They're not stressed. They may have insights, they may have answers, they may have directions. Um, it's not my personal subject to even be stressed or worried about because I know it's not the thing that my soul's here to be participating in, in a like, uh, active way, if that makes sense. Like I definitely feel like my soul's active participation is on the subjects obviously of inner wisdom and releasing the emotional traumas and <laughs> lately past lives. Like this is what my soul is here to do. I have a clear like direction in, in myself of like what my soul through my inner voicing and just connection and pure alignment to it has to do and what it's not here to do. And I always think of it like the, the body of humanity is a lot like the bodies that we have in our body. So if you think of every cell of the body being a human on the planet, so seven billion, let's make it up, seven billion cells in the human species, like seven billion humans are cells of the body. So if the body's cells are in analogy to the same as our species, there are different types of cells in our bodies. We have eyeball cells and finger cells and red blood cells and white blood cells and bone cells and marrow and, fingernails and hair, we have so many different objects that are in the cells of these bodies that we're in. And that is how I see the conglomeration of souls <laughs> that are in bodies as human forms. And so not every cell is supposed to do the same thing. We're not all supposed to be 7 billion muscle cells or 7 billion red blood cells or 7 billion white blood cells or 7 billion eyeball cells for that matter. We can't only be an eye. Like the whole body can't just be one giant six foot, five foot eyeball. That's not the point because then it wouldn't even be able to see anything because it needs a brain to see and it needs the blood to pump and it needs the breath through the lungs. So it needs all of the pieces to be playing the roles that they're in and they're meant to be in. And one of the things I think that's confusing to minds is that if they are in a more like red blood cell capacity, like they are more of an activist type of uh, alignment to taking actions and, and creating, they sometimes don't understand that that's not necessarily the way the rest of the other body cells are supposed to be because they're not, they're like, why aren't you like me? Basically is kind of the projection that sometimes happens. I feel as a cell, if I had it more of a visionary, more of the, uh, not specifically an eyeball cell, but more of like a 
helping bring this the species forward into the depth of themselves and their consciousness, right? So I'm not here to be worrying about the plastics in the ocean, particularly. That would be not using my own cell to its best and highest gifts and alignments. Um, but that means, that being said, that means the intuition is not somebody else's gift to the same level that it might be. The plastics in the ocean might be exactly what they're aligned to doing. So I don't stress about what's not my role if that makes sense. And that's where my mind has a lot of peace because I know I am doing the role I feel very called and aligned to doing and my soul came to do. And I'm not stressed about the outside forces or factors. I know that no one ultimately is a body. <laughs> so also this changes the whole game, right? If this reality is ultimately, once you kind of have enough awareness to know you're just awareness, how this reality and all is wellness starts to really make sense. It is, it's, I've heard a lot of spiritual people say, and it gets, it makes, it feels so more and more true than ever. Like we're just moving the furniture around in this reality. And that's not to say that that's not something we should do with reverence and care and alignment. Of course we should, but it also means that like, we're all going to be okay. Cause at the end of the day, none of us are actually humans. We're consciousness in human form. And so whatever happens in the future of this, it's, it's okay whatever happens in the future of this. Whether consciousness starts to come into robots in the future instead of human life forms might be the future that happens. Or maybe we leave this planet and we go off to other planets in outer space, or maybe we just stop coming into 3D altogether. Like all of that to me is an okay outcome. I'm not attached to any specific way that this project, you could say, of this universe goes. So because of that lack of attachment and lack of needing to feel that I have to control the outcome that it has, I'm just here to show up and show people where their wisdom is. And so because I have that kind of peace, I feel quite calm. But if you have, by example, um, a lot of, you know, mental stories and you know, trying to find a sense of peace, spending a lot of time with your inner voice can be great, quite great. Actually, I would even recommend if it helps you at all. Um, I have these inner peace meditations on bellalively.com slash inner peace. So if you haven't tried those out, please listen to them. It's so fun to hear when people love them. I channeled those with my inner voice. And one of the last ones is about tragic events, but you could use it on global things like climate change also. So it doesn't just have to be like a shooting or a terrorist attack or a war that's happening. You could actually use those questions that I give you there for things like global climate change or more systemic issues. So feel free to go there and use those questions if you feel called to it. We have them in the audio, so you can use the audio form or you can use, I actually uh, had them printed so that you can actually see the questions and get the Q&A back and forth between your inner voice and your mind if you want to. So see if that feels like a fit. All right, now we have Jen Lara who said, what are you enjoying most about being back in London? Hmm. Well, it's been fun to go through the seasons we've had this year. So I've been here for the majority of the year since February, and I love the summertime in London. It's so fun to see the, all the trees and nature and walk, walk, walk all over this place. And then my friend Didi and I have been having so much fun going out. One of the fun things about the culture here is like the standing outside when the weather is nice at the pubs on the weekend kind of thing. So that weather being good, I have to say the <laughs> Brits really appreciate good weather because they often have such temperamental weather that when they have it good, they really make the most of it. Uh, we're in Lisbon, you know, it's so typically consistently good. They appreciate it, but it's more of just a standard experience than it is here. So I have been definitely making the most and enjoying all of the outdoor walking specifically. I would say the majority of it's been walking for me outside as much as possible. 
and the really long light days. But now the weather started to kind of tip into the fall weather soon or is kind of in that process. And I just had this kind of shift of like excitement that's now instead of like walking in Hyde Park, it's obviously I'll keep doing that as much as I can. But I also was like, ooh, I want to start taking the tube and using all of the many, 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 many pockets of the city that have so many things to do and places to go. And so I just could see myself now probably exploring more of the different parts of the city as the weather is changing, just to change up the vibe, the vibe basically, just to see different creative restaurants or places or museums. I was just at the Churchill War Rooms, which I just love the Churchill War Rooms. It's like uh, Alcatraz too. These are like really funny because I love Abraham and you know, not very like watch, I don't watch stressful things, but I, for some reason, really like uh, those places like the Churchill War Rooms or the um, Alcatraz are like interesting pockets of history and the spaces themselves are still the same places that they were. So like the energies are there and I'm not like hyper psychic where I'm like feeling into like, oh, there's the guy that walked down this hall. Like I'm not really getting that level of, of depth about it, but I just think it's still more fun for me to see real places that really were where things happened than museums that are in different structures and totally different places with pictures and slides and stuff like that. That's not very appealing to me. So museums are more boring. If they're like a museum about World War II, that will be boring to me. But going to the Churchill War Rooms where they actually ran the war for England, that kind of thing is interesting. I did it with my brother last year and I just did it again this year. So I just like really like those kind of places. Um, so that's been fun to go kind of go, yeah, let's, let's like go into that type of stuff. I also do think some of the museums saying that I don't like museums. I think that I could go to like art museums because there you, you're getting the energy of the direct authentic art. So I think the natural portrait gallery. I've never done that. Or even the Tower of London. I haven't done that. So those kind of places could be uh, next on my list of, of kind of exploring as well as just different neighborhoods to walk through, stores to see, restaurants to eat at. But just excited because it's just so big. Uh, I can still walk most places or get around by, you know, tube or by taxi, but I can see so many things so close together. I love it, love it, love it. Next, we have Anonymous who says, I can't seem to stop feeling brokenhearted. What's the best way out that you have found after an abruptly ended relationship? I feel like we have unfinished business and can't shake it. Well, this is an interesting question because yesterday night in Sacred Month of the Self, I had a client who has had a broken heart most of her life and we went into it and it had to do with the past life. And she was amazed at how amazingly different she felt after 20 minutes after we integrated the past life. So I would wonder anonymous, if you could ask your inner voice, does this situation, it's not necessarily to say that the partner you just abruptly ended with was the past life partner. It could have been because sometimes they do overlap. Or it could just be that if this is really, really, really heavy on you, and it's not like you're even, one of the things I notice about past lives often is that when there's a past life pattern in this life, you'll be reacting in this life like it's level 10. But once the past life is integrated, your life will, that aspect of your life will feel calmer and smaller. So it won't be like the situation you're in now has the same intensity factor that it has to the past life. The past life has, in a sense, a stronger reason why they're feeling so strongly. So for example, the girl that I helped yesterday with the past life that 
was feeling brokenhearted. She's been feeling brokenhearted and desperate to have a husband in this life for a very long time. And throughout the entire month of doing Sacred Month of the Self, she was talking about it, but her inner voice said she wasn't ready yet to do the integration. So she was feeling all these tears and crying and just really, really, really going through the ringer with it and just desperate to find a partner. And yesterday when her inner voice said she was ready, we did the past life integration. And what she saw through using her inner voice was a woman that had a, it was a different time frame, an older time frame. The woman was kind of, she had a different kind of completely different job type of character role, but her partner was a bit, the way the, the the client described it was like a bit of a player for his time. And he was walking out the door and she saw him from the past life's perspective, walk out the door and just left her and she was brokenhearted. And so that storyline is really dramatic and really, uh, you know, obviously heartbreaking for that life very understandable why she would be so sad in that life. But this life was reacting to that level of intensity, but hadn't had, uh, she'd had small things that had felt like that, but really the intensity was originating from this originating scene, which truly was dramatic, but this life's was not quite that dramatic. And that's something I can say for me, I always had like the phobia about uh, drowning, but I never had any actual fear of water or actual bad experience in water, but I was always acting like I was drowning whenever I got into water since I was a two-year-old going into swim lessons, screaming bloody murder when my mom left me with the swim person. And I just thought I didn't like the swim person, (laughs) but it was because whenever she put me on my back, I would feel like I was going to drown, but I had no idea. It was a pure response, but from a different reason. So if this feels relevant, ask your inner voice if this is past life and inner voice, do your best to integrate it yourself. Or in October, you'll be able to work with one of our past life specialists and they can help you to see if there is anything there. But of course, um, going into your inner voice is always going to be number one. And even if you're going to say inner voice, should I do a session with a past life specialist is something to ask if you're curious about having a past life. Is this a past life? Can I release it on my own inner voice with you? Yes, no, get those answers. And then, for example, ask, like, should I work with somebody to get help is a great way to go to get more clarity of what's going to help you. And trusting like the inner voice of that woman said all month, she knew there was something going on with this storyline that she was feeling all this intensity. But it wasn't until the last week when she was actually ready and her inner voice said so. And then we were able to do it. So there's nothing wrong with not being ready at the same time um, to doing it. Trusting in the flow and the timing with your inner voice's guidance is going to make the best and highest and smoothest outcome for you. Now we have Rachel H. Photos who said, how to stay connected to inner being when experiencing physical ailments like pain and disease. That physical pain often keeps me grounded in this reality and amplifies anxiety, which also keeps me grounded in this reality. Okay, so how to stay connected to inner being when experiencing physical ailments. I would actually find, I find this interesting with sometimes, now it depends if you've got a chronic disease, it's always making you painful for years on end, or if you've got um, acute pain in a smaller frame of time, you know? So obviously if you've got this for years and years and years, um, you've had it for a long time. That said, you can still try it on the long stuff also, is laying really still and then going into the pain as if it's a beanbag experience and turning off the mind and exhaling the mind away and then breathing into it is a fascinating thing to do and to try. Um, my inner voice has guided me to do that on a few different times that I've been in pain. And it's a fascinating experience to experience pain without the mind's presence on the physical sensation. 
fascinating. It doesn't mean it's going to solve it. doesn't mean it's going to heal it to you. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying I would try as far as getting connected to your inner being. That's one of the ways. And then as your body's calming through breathing and exhaling out and getting into that feeling from the kind of way you would do in a beanbag session, then asking your inner voice answers and guidance and questions on what to do about this ailment that you might be experiencing might be a little bit easier to hear. Now we have from Julia, do you think issues like anxiety and depression are just a matter of beanbags not having been released or something different? I think it can depend on the situation. So there's not a one answer for every person. I would say that anxiety and depression can be connected to, well, beanbags are just emotional stuck energy, right? So at a core, yes, I would say anxiety and depression are beanbags. Now, when they, do they go away with one breathing session? Not necessarily, there could be more at play especially when it comes to things like past lives, you can beanbag a feeling that you're feeling, but if it's connected to a past life, my experience has been that maybe some of them are going away from past lives that I'm not aware of being past lives, but the ones that I've found that actually have been past lives, I actually figured out their past lives because they didn't go away just by breathing into them right away. So they didn't just go immediately, but once the past lives were I don't say the word fixed, once they integrated, then those issues stopped coming in. That said, sometimes inner voices will talk to the person I'm working with and say that this isn't theirs, it's their ancestors or it's the family members. And oftentimes when it's a family members or ancestors trauma that they're feeling as well in their own body, the inner voice will tell the person to let it go. That's what I've observed is a lot of times if they're taking on other people's stuff, the inner voice will say, let that go. Stop taking on other people's stuff. But when it's a past life thing, I found it historically that the integration has been amazingly effective. So I think there can be deeper things when it comes to chemical imbalance of things like depression. And especially if they are family genetically connected types of like the family has a string of depression and stuff. I think I haven't done an inner voice session with someone with that kind of issue, but it would be fascinating if I did because I get to find out more about that subject from what the inner voice would say. If I could get them clear enough to hear the inner voice and have a good, strong connection, then I could probably learn and find out a lot of information on the subject. I just haven't had to because it hasn't come up from my clients that I've worked with. But it would be interesting to see if the ancestral depression, you could say, the genetic component of that could be released and what would the guidance of the inner voice be? But that would just take a lot of inner voicing. So I would say, I don't have an answer because I haven't asked an inner voice those kind of questions to get it, but you could ask your inner voice if it's something that's presenting for you and see, because it's going to be also very relevant to what you're dealing with is what you're going to need to get the insight from your inner voice exactly about. So that is what I would say. Now we have Mighty Mella who said, still anxiously awaiting part two of your past lives episode, a checking daily, hoping it's out. Oh, that's so sweet. I will do the past life too. Like I said, probably somewhere in the middle or the end of the, the September, I'm guessing. It's a guess. I'm just going to feel into it. I can tell it's not time to do it yet, even though my mind thought I will do it sooner. I can tell there is something in me, like intuitionally, I'm like, yep, not yet, not the right time. But when I have it ready, I am sure it will come out. And I'm just guessing that there's more coming to be put into that episode than if I just aired it now. Because it's such an evolving subject and because we're just diving into this past life specialty for the IVFT grads, I'm just thinking. It's just in, it's still in the oven, you know, it's not ready to come out of the oven, but when it is, I am so excited to share because I think there's going to potentially be more than I might have imagined or would have been able to share right now. 
Now I have Olivia Rose who said, do you have a favorite self-tanner product? Trying to find a good one. Actually, I do. I love that subject. This is something on the very lovely, <laughs> lovely, you know, light and shiny, fluffy, you know, beauty side of things. I love beauty stuff so much. And for self-tanner, I have been using a new one recently, and I do think it's much better than the one I used to use. The one I used to use for many months was leaving brown stuff on my sheets and my clothes. And it it did a really beautiful tan, but it would rub off. And it also is just kind of, it was just a bit of a faff. So that was the Bondi Sands Express one hour tan. It The color was great, but the application and the fact that it was getting on all the white stuff was really annoying. So that was not what I would recommend. But the new one I'm trying is the Tanologist. So I'm using the Tanologist Dark Mousse and I leave it on overnight. I'm still finessing and perfecting the application process because it has basically everything that the Bondi Sands Express Tan was good at, this one's bad at, and vice versa. And everything that the Bondi stuff was bad at, this is good at. So the good thing about it is it doesn't leave the sheets brown. It doesn't leave my clothes turning colors and all that good stuff. But at the same time, I noticed that I had really orange hands the first time I used it because it takes to your hands and your feet much, much more than the Bondi Sands one did. So I've been really loving it. It's a clear guide color. So it goes on clear, which is kind of crazy because the other one was definitely not that way. So I guess having practiced a lot with one that showed me where the color was going as I applied it was a good thing because it gave me a little bit of experience and practice that now I've graduated to the clear product. That said, I guess you could experiment with the clear product and just get good at it from the start. And that will be much more practical for your sheets and your clothes. The stuff, by the way, like the other one, the Bondi one, it all washed out. It just would turn things brown until you wash them. So it never really stained anything permanently, but it would definitely leave the marks before the washing was happening. So I would just say go to Tanologist Clear Guide one. I watched a lot of YouTube videos of different women. I I don't follow them regularly. So I just like Googling about stuff and found people that did <laughs> intense deep dives into the research of best self-tanners and would watch their videos and their application processes and stuff like that. But that they all were recommending Tanologist as well. And it's really pretty packaging and branding. And I think it's got a pretty clean formula. So Anyways, definitely recommend the Tanologist self-tanner. And though, I will say, top tip though, get the Tanologist self-tanner. I love this subject as much as past lives and everything else. Get that, but then get the Bondi Sands Mitt. You want the Mitt from Bondi Sands. Don't get the product from Bondi Sands. Actually, Bondi might have some really great products that just aren't the one that I was using. They have about 16 different products. I was just using one of them many, many times. And that specific one was the one that was color, you know, was getting everywhere. But the mitts from Bondi Sands are so good. They're just really, really high quality mitts. So get the little black mitt to apply your mousse, but then get the Tanologist mousse. And Tanologist also has the tan eraser product as well. So you can just put this little liquid on before you scrub it off and apply your next layer or next one the next week. And yeah, been really liking it. Now we have uh, Ann Miller Wright who said, have you read Emotion Code or Body Code? If so, does it relate to what you do for beanbag releasing? Um, emotion Code, I don't know Body Code, but I remember the Emotion Code, I believe is in a documentary that I watched in 2018. I forget the man's name that is behind I think it's a man, if I recall. I forget. I think I kind of remember what he looks like, but I forget his name. And I I just watched a documentary and they speak about the emotion code. And he was interviewed in this documentary, whatever the name of it was. This is so long ago, I don't remember. But 
it was something that he showed about magnets, I think, if I remember right. And for a few years, I definitely did muscle testing. And these are, I mean, obviously, I was way in the earlier phases of knowing how to use my own intuition. I don't even know how to beanbag release at that point in time, I think. So this is really young days for me, but I would use the little magnets and muscle testing and I would release them, <laughs> the magnet on my head. I forget even how I found this process, but I think there was a documentary. I think that has connection to emotion code, but it might even not. So you might be like, you're not even talking about the right thing, Bella, but I think that's what it was. But that's as much as I connect to that process as I think I remember that it's connected to the emotion code, but I never read the book and I never did any classes with it. I just watched a documentary and got like the bare, bare, bare bone process of how to muscle test emotions and then use a magnet to release them. I don't know if it was really doing anything, honestly, but I felt like it was doing the best that I could know how to do at the time. So that is, I, I, so I can't really speak to it from any educated point of view, basically. But I do remember using a magnet for, I don't know, a year and a half or something every night before I went to bed. But I would now, I wouldn't use a magnet or anything like that. I would just use my, you know, pure awareness and my beanbag process. But um, I didn't know how to do that then. So the magnet was something that I started with, but I don't even know if it was actually effective, but it was something I did do. So I, I guess I have no zero conclusive evidence, but I did do that once upon a time. Now I have a message from Laura who says, hi, Bella, a quick message to say thank you. Just listened to your latest Slow Diaries episode. And even though my life is in a different place, very routine, not much travel, I'm always getting so much from hearing about your experiences and making everyday decisions based on intuition and knowing about following a certain path. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much, Laura. That is so kind of you to say. I really appreciate that. Uh, you guys are so nice. Can I just say, generally speaking, the Instagram community at Bella Lively World, so kind and fun and supportive. And I just appreciate you guys so much. And even in a lively world, keep remembering that too. Um, just a little reminder that we have this community platform for you that's created. Whether you've taken classes with us, your classes are now in a livelyworld.com, uh, but you can also just make a profile having never taken anything with us and just freely share and communicate and connect with people around the world. Add your places to the community cute tour map. Uh, just, just go have fun and meet each other and share as much or as little as you like, but know that it's available for you there too. And then obviously I like playing around on Instagram. So it's fun to see you and just get these little comments. It's so nice. Thank you so much. Okay, you guys, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And as I said at the beginning, if IVFT or the past life specialty feel like a fit, I'm excited to work with you. And until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs> <laughs>